If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 Anajar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. They are going low at Augusta National. The course looks like uh, the John Deere Classic in terms of ease right now for all these good players. Some of the best in the world taming Augusta National. You know what? A little bit. Of, that's how Augusta was built. Birdies and but where are the mistakes? Not too many, unless you're Bryson DeChambeau, who just lost his ball in the third hole. So uh, that is a mistake. Abraham answered. Nine under par. Cameron Smith used to live in Jacksonville. I think he still might. Not from He's from Australia, but I think he uh, might reside in the Jacksonville area. Nine under. Justin Thomas, nine under, just finished. So three guys tied for the lead. Dustin Johnson, one back. Patrick Cantlay, and then, oh, boy, we got a bunch of big names. Phil Mickelson, five under par, so acquitted himself nicely in round number two as well. And Tiger Woods just teed off. Billy Horschel, doing a nice job. Top 20 so far. He is four under par. Uh, two rounds in for Billy Ho. Brett Martineau along with Austin Lane. I'm here at home once again. Sporting the Masters gear once we get the video feeds fired up. Austin Lane, I don't even know what he's sporting today. What's up on a Friday? Not too much, and don't worry, it's not Masters gear. Um, I bet it is. Yeah, n- nothing too much, man. Just hanging out. Um, you know, c- coming off that crazy Titans-Colts game last night, uh, did not go the way I expected it to go, but Colts looking pretty good right now. Yeah, and I think that's a question we, uh, we'll get into a little bit here today. It is, it, how good are they? Mm-hmm. And, you know... I'm not. I don't know if I'm rooting for them. Uh, I'm rooting to be right, maybe a little bit. And uh, I thought they would be pretty good. Philip Rivers looked good last night. I think one of the hardest things to do in the NFL is go on the road on Thursday night and play well. And they did it against a good Tennessee team. And now, do you start wondering a little bit about Tennessee? They've lost three out of four. Yeah. Should we wonder about them? I mean, you have to wonder about them a little bit just because they're not built, I think, to handle these high-paced games. You know, I mean, obviously you can pound the rock with Derrick Henry and you slow the game down a little bit. They have the advantage, but that also includes playing great defense, and they haven't really done that as well. But at the same time, I mean, that was maybe the worst special teams performance that we've seen all year from any NFL team in general, right? We're talking missed field goals. We're talking botched punts of 15 yards. We're talking blocked punts uh, for touchdowns. So I'm not trying to take anything away from the Indianapolis Colts because they played a great game and they deserve to win. But at the same time, I have a hard time seeing the Titans are going to ever lose like that again with so many special teams blunders. Yeah, that's a, and that's a good call because, remember, they started off the year uh, with um, Goskowski missing a bunch, and we mm-hmm. wondered if they would even cut him. And then, of course, he nails in week two two huge field goals against the Jaguars, of course, and now we might be thanking him. Um, and then, uh, obviously, more problems, not just with him, but the special teams in general. That will come back and get you sooner or later. I mean, mm-hmm. doesn't that seem like sometimes there are themes of a season? And the fact that their season started off with the missed kicks, now at the midway point we've got some problems on special teams. Don't you just have the sense that somewhere along the way at the end of the season, the Titans special teams, no matter who they have, 
is going to come back and hurt him. Remember, it was Indianapolis last year who was stuck with Venetieri, and I think he basically blew four games for him. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I do agree with you that those storylines can definitely follow you, especially something as big as a field goal kicker. Um you know, but to be fair with Gaskowski, though, I mean, he has been kicking pretty well lately. Uh, obviously, this last game wasn't his best. I wonder what's going to happen with that. You know, I mean, I assume that they keep on riding with him just because, like I said, he was on a roll for a little bit here. But when it starts to get to, you know, the, the playoffs and everything like that, and we're talking usually close nail-biting games where every single field goal kick and every single extra point matters, I wonder how confident right now Mike Vrabel and the Titans are in their kicking situation. Yeah, a little bit more about the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, is that that, that that's what they can be, right? Complete team, Rivers, uh, all the different backs. Uh, I don't understand why they're not playing Jonathan Taylor more. I, don't, I still don't know if I fully get that. But mm-hmm. Hines obviously played very well. Um, so that's interesting. They've got an offensive line they like, although I thought the defensive front of Tennessee and the short yardage situations really made them work. I mean, that wasn't a dominating offensive line performance. But Rivers was so efficient, so good, they didn't turn the ball over. And their defense, again, I mean, you don't think of the Indianapolis Colts from a defensive standpoint. You yeah. think Andrew Luck. You think Peyton Manning all those years. You think one of the things that held Peyton Manning back maybe was the defense that would give up a ton of yards rushing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they had some good defensive players. Freeney, uh, uh, Bob Sanders, you know, Mathis. there's four of them. Uh, yeah. what, say it again? Um, Mathis. Oh, yeah, right. no, yeah, Mathis. Mathis. So yeah. they've had some good players, but you never were worried about their defense. You know, you were worried about specific players. Well, now they might have the best defense in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And in that game, also exposed a little bit is the fact that the Titans don't. You know, the Titans have a very middle-of-the-road defense in 2020. The Colts might be one of the most complete teams when they're on, although a lot of teams can say that, I bet. No, without a doubt. You know, and it comes down to Philip Rivers as well. Like, yes, Philip Rivers had a great game last night. I think the help of Naeem Hines um, in the, you know, in the run game really opened things up for them a little bit. The, the, the Titans are kind of an enigma of how they're running that offense right now because they essentially they just have two looks. They have, like, the jumbo package where they have two tight ends in. Obviously, you hand the ball to Derrick Henry, who ran decently well last night, and then you use play action to your, your tight ends. Or else you go like this spread out package, you know, and then Derrick Henry's not really on the field. Then then you have like the other backers in there. And it's just weird how they kept on going jumbo, 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 and the game started to be out of hand, and all of a sudden, well, there's no, there's no more jumbo. Now it's the spread formation. Like, I can kind of get the sense right now, and I get A.J. Brown um, is a great receiver, and Corey Davis did all right last night. But, like, you can tell that this team runs through that 12 personnel um, with two tight ends. You can tell that once that 12 personnel is gone – and they start spreading things out, regardless of what the numbers dictate with Ryan Tannehill, whatever you want to say, um, they are not themselves, and they don't look that comfortable running it. We're going to get to the Jags, of course, we always do, Jags, Packers, and, and I need a road map here for the Jacksonville Jaguars on an upset. I'm not, uh, again, we, we can sit here and debate whether they should win. I, I get the temperament in town, I understand, uh, and, and by the way, I'm with most of you. Um, but we still break down games and talk about games, and they're two touchdown underdogs. Mm-hmm. And so I do want to know coming up, we're going to talk about it, and we'll give you the latest uh, on LaVisca Chanel in a moment. Uh, but I do want to know, like, what is the roadmap to beating a team like Green Bay? I mean, it's the NFL. I mean, we almost saw the Cowboys, who are really not good. I mean, I know they have some better players maybe than the Jags, but they're really not good. Almost beat Pittsburgh, really dominate that game against Perhaps the best team in the NFL. I mean, the only undefeated team in the NFL. They just couldn't pull it off. So what's the roadmap? That's coming up in a moment. Well, 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 listen, I mean, I I can spare you some time right now. The roadmap is for Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones to get COVID-19. Yeah. The end. 
All right, that's good. That's a way to kill a segment. You got it. Um, the I want to stay on the NFL though because you know if you think about the Colts, maybe they did move up a little bit uh, in terms of being a team that could contend at least for a week. I think the Chiefs are still right there, and I just mentioned the Steelers are undefeated. What I'm asking you is, at least in the AFC for now, you were you're a Chiefs guy in terms mm-hmm. of back-to-back Super Bowls. Do you still feel as strong about that, watching them play week to week, where they're at right now in the middle of the season, knowing that there's still a heck of a long way to go until January? You're asking me how I feel about the Chiefs right now? Yeah, I want to yeah. know the teams that are the upper echelon teams, teams that we thought would be good, might be good. Do you still believe in them oh, yeah. the way you believed Come in on. them early on? Yeah, well, without a doubt. Now, I get it. They don't have the perfect record. Um, they have some losses underneath their belt. But I think you have probably, you know, if not the second best, if not the best quarterback right now, and then I foul in Patrick Mahomes. You have by far the most explosive offense in the NFL. And like when I see like how they compare to the Indianapolis Colts and how do they match up, like yes, the Colts are playing great defense right now and you can't take that away from them. But I think the the road to beating the Chiefs revolves around manning up Travis Kelsey, manning up Tyreek Hill, not giving up zone coverage, and the Colts run a lot of zone coverage. So if you ask me, like, in a head-to-head matchup, do I like the Chiefs or the Colts, I'm taking the Chiefs all day because even though the Colts' defense is one of the best right now, I don't think their scheme can really match up to the Chiefs. I think a lot of schemes in the NFL yeah. can really match that Chiefs' offense. And it's once again, it's just you stop Tyreek Hill, well, you got Travis Kelsey. You stop Travis Kelsey, well, you got Miko Hardman. You stop Miko Hardman, then you got, uh, you know, they got Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and you got Le'Veon Bell. You stop those guys, and they got some draft pick out of some small school in the fifth round. I've never heard it before. Probably going to break off three touchdowns. You know, like they're just, they're that dynamic, they're that explosive, and they have a defense that I think can sustain that can bend but not break as well. Yeah, do you um, do you think they can afford an injury or two? Uh, depending the injuries. I mean, obviously, on the offense, absolutely. You know, I mean, if, if, if Kelsey, I'm, I'm not going to what, obviously. Here, but, you know, if one of their weapons was able to get hurt or whatever, for whatever reason, um, I think they have the tools in place and they have the, the, the play calling in place to not skip a beat. All right, well, let's stay on that theme because I'm going to give you two other teams that people believed in early on in the year, either before the season to make a run or uh, maybe in the first couple of weeks of the season. I'm going to leave Tennessee out of it coming off the loss uh, last night, even though they made the AFC Championship game. I'm going to go next to uh, not the Steelers, by the way, because the Steelers weren't these, one of those teams that everybody's like, yeah, they're going to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Well, now they're sitting here undefeated, so that would be an easy, oh, yeah, I believe in them. I get it. But what about the Baltimore Ravens? Do you believe in the Baltimore Ravens? Because I think you had them in the championship game, right? Ravens, Chiefs? I think a lot of people did, even if you didn't. A lot of people did. Yeah, yeah. So do you believe in the Ravens, or are they more flawed in 2020 than you thought they'd be halfway through the year? No, they're a lot more flawed than I thought they'd be, and that obviously starts at the most important position in the quarterback. Um, I think Lamar Jackson this year is trying to make it a habit of being more of a pocket passer type guy, and when he's doing that – just for whatever reason, he doesn't look the most comfortable back there. I think he's missed a lot of open reads, and he hasn't used his legs as much as they, as they asked him to, to use last year. Now, who's to say when the playoffs started, when you're getting towards the end of the season, that all of a sudden they up the intake of how many rushes he gets, and maybe that's the you know the, the big thing, that's the big uh, you know change. But I'm just saying, you got Mark Andrews, who really split on the scene last year a little bit. He hasn't really done anything uh, this season. You have a run game, which is solid, 
but it's kind of by committee. You got J.K. Dobbins, Mark Ingram, um, and then Gus Edwards, and like no one guy is the clear bell cow. Now, Mark Ingram's been hurt, and I assume when he comes back, he'll be that guy, but it seems like even he's kind of lost a step from last season a little bit, dealing with injuries. So I think when you take into account the fact that your tight end play is down, your quarterback play, it's down, the running backs, you don't have the bell cow, and wide receivers, you know, I mean, I get it, Willie Sneed's making a name for himself, but you don't have that go-to wide receiver um, when the game's on the line, they can't win track meets. So, no, I'm not really buying in the Baltimore Ravens right now. Yeah, it's, uh, one note, too, and uh, best wishes to our good buddy, Calais Campbell. He will miss his first game this weekend since 2014. How about wow. that? And if you're wondering how Calais is playing, I didn't know this until I, I read up on a bit more today. I, I just hadn't paid attention to the stats. He's got four sacks. He leads the team with four sacks. Uh which doesn't seem like a crazy number, but he does lead the team. And I think he also leads the team with five tackle for losses, I believe it was. So he's playing good football, and uh, it'll be his first missed game. Talk about durability. I know he played through a lot of stuff here in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Uh, those shows that Mellow Mushroom, man, he, he came in there and he was sore. <laughs> no yeah. doubt about it. Uh, and hardly could sit on the stool sometimes uh, to do the show. So you know that calf is hurting, and they want to rest him up for the uh, – test run so uh or or the stretch run so uh, best wishes to calais campbell all right last one i'll put in there the buffalo bills and i don't mm-hmm. know if they deserve to be in here but if you look at the first month of the year they were on fire then i thought the last four games or so they were like eh, okay back to earth people are figuring them out a little bit well then they have a fantastic performance against a defense that really is not good in seattle the team is good but the defense is not good so what do you where do you sit on the bills i mean do you put them now the way Josh Allen's playing, the way they're mm-hmm. calling games, the way they are. Do you put them there to contest the Kansas City Chiefs to go to the Super Bowl? Maybe the Pittsburgh Steelers? Are they in that class? I wouldn't put them in the the, the Tier 1 with Kansas City and Pittsburgh quite yet. Um, just because I thought, that, and I had the Bills winning the division, obviously, but like I figured it would be done against with their identity, which is playing solid defense, running the ball, and then using Josh Allen when they can. It's a lot like the Tennessee Titans, really, if you think about it. And this season, it hasn't been about that. It's been about Josh Allen, um, the use of his arm, and you know his, his ability with his legs as well. I thought you'd get a lot more out of the Buffalo Bills tight ends this year. Um, I remember last year I was talking about they're going to be like the, the Baltimore Ravens of this year. I don't really see that. They're not playing the best defense either. Um, I think they're a tier two. I think they can definitely make some noise in the playoffs. I, I do believe in Josh Allen. Um, I like the receiving game. Uh, I like the running game as well. But once again, it, it comes down to the defense, and that's kind of been the the whole synopsis of this season. Is Listen, every offense is looking good this year, it seems like, but the defense is what's going to put you over in the playoff spots and carry you on to the Super Bowl. Yeah, so, hey, I'm not going to do the NFC. I just want to do that in the AFC because there, I thought there were some clear-cut teams, the Chiefs and the Ravens, and I think the Bills and the Titans are kind of in that mix. Well, here come the Steelers, right? They've mm-hmm. now taken over for a lot of everybody. I think still people would put their money on the Chiefs, but the Steelers, you have to wonder. I mean, are they legit, legit to, to win it all? Uh, I, I play the, the trend and, and that kind of thing. I don't, just don't think the Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl because I think somebody's going to knock them off. I, I just It's hard to do it two years in a row. And so I'll, I'll, I'll take the, the money on that side mm. and say somebody's – it's like taking the field or Tiger, right? Sure. Well, you got a lot of people. Uh, that Even in the heyday. And sometimes, by the way, it wasn't a smart move to take the field. <laughs> yeah. So it might not be a smart move to take um, – uh, the field in this case, but I am going to take them in the AFC against the Chiefs. We'll see how it plays out. But I'm not going to get in the NFC because I do think there are so many teams in, in the mix. 
you know, if you were asked this question, yeah, the Saints have come to life, but Tampa's coming off a miserable performance. The Packers have been playing pretty good football overall, though they lost a couple weeks ago to Minnesota at home. I just think there's a lot more teams, if you take away the NFC East, that you could put in that category. And, well, quite frankly, um, I'm not going to break down the entire NFC. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. I think right now you're going to go to the NFC. It's really between, to me, you got the Seahawks and you got the Packers right now. Now, that can definitely change. Uh, but those are really the two teams, to me, that stand out. Like, yeah, you have the Rams kind of creeping along a little bit. And, you know, maybe the Cardinals. But um, to me, it's the Seahawks and the Packers right now. Yeah, uh, no doubt about it. So, um we will uh, talk more about NFL big picture, including your fantasy teams, mm-hmm. uh, coming up uh, a little bit later on. We have our six-pack of picks. There are some good games, including uh, a Bills game that I think has an interesting line to it. Uh, we will pick that Cardinals game. Your guy, Kyler Murray, can he get a win this week because he <laughs> didn't last week? Well, uh, once again, not his fault, but go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And uh, then, of course, the Jags are, are coming up. Quick note, LaVisca Chenault will not play in the game against Green Bay. I think, again, we're looking for the crazy bleep, right? We're yeah. still looking for it. Yeah, Unfortunately yeah. for all of us, some of that stuff, I think, had to do with number 10 in LaVisca Chanel. Of course. And we're just not going to get to see it. So we have to wait to see what that is, was, and, and how it's going to work. Uh, there was some hope that he could play on Sunday. But turns out not. I tell you, they give us a, a kind of a sunshine and rainbows report on injuries on Monday, and then every time we get to Friday, it feels like those guys aren't playing. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. You know, I appreciate the positivity. Sure, but I feel like they're people. all for whatever in giving us posit- positivity and then getting them to the game. Yeah, I feel like any time a guy's been on the fence if he's going to play or not, like you find out Friday he's not playing. Have fun with that. That's, yeah, that's kind of the yeah, it's kind of the theme. It seems like of the team this year. Obviously, with you know with Visca now being out, you can assume that Chris Conley. We'll probably move into more of the the role. Yeah, I, I mean, guess. Yeah, I would. I would think if I'm the Jags, I want to see Colin Johnson more involved though too. Sure. Right. I mean, yeah. Chris Conley is not a part of probably the next few years, mm-hmm. and so sure, uh, it, it will bump up his his reps. And and I mean, he had seven catches last week with Luton. Yeah. So he had a, he had a nice game last week. But I would like to see more Colin Johnson. I mean, come on, this uh, this second half is is sure try to win, do your best. I get it, all that stuff. But it's about seeing what you have in the young talent. I haven't seen enough out of Colin Johnson. Uh, and I would like to see more. No, without it, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, you, you got to think though as well. Like, if you're not seeing Colin Johnson, it's probably for a reason, right? I mean, and I get it. We're towards, we're getting towards the end of the season. Nothing to win for. Uh, you want to evaluate your talent, but I, I just feel like a guy that big, and we saw him at training camp, and, and we both echoed that this guy looked absolutely fantastic. Maybe like you know the the camp guy of the year, if you will. Yeah. Um, it, it is a little bad that they're not playing him that much. I wonder if it's just, you know, he's he's picking along the position a little, a little slower than expected, whatever the reason may be. But, man, when it's, you know, second and ten or third and ten and, and you're in the red zone, um, how you can't go to that guy, I have no idea. I do think he's been in, in the red zone, yeah. Austin. I just don't think they've been to the red zone that much in recent weeks. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a good like, point. I, yeah. I don't want to say it like their offense hasn't done anything. No, but, but they, they haven't. Yeah. They, like, they went through that stretch where they scored 14 points, 16 points. Like, they weren't there all the time. And so I think that's pro- the lack of productivity overall has caused a lack of productivity maybe with Colin Johnson, too, because that's where you will use him most um, in that red zone. One note on LaVisca Chenault, and I don't want to get anybody up in arms about it. I'm not even gonna, I don't want to start this narrative. I just think it's an interesting one to keep an eye on. It's okay to miss a game here or there, but the one red flag on him was that he got hurt mm. in, in college. 
And so that's the one thing when he got drafted, people were like, I don't know, this guy's talented, but he gets hurt. And I think that might have been why he slipped to the second round, uh, coming off his last year at Colorado. So you just don't want that to become a thing, you know. Um, so hopefully this thing heals up, keep him out for a game, get him back in there next week, because I still think one of the most entertaining parts of the Jags' offense is how they use LaVisca Chenault, and if we can cross some things off in Visca Bingo. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's must-see TV, right? Like, this guy's exciting. Where's he going to line up next? The slot? Under center? You don't know. Like That's that's intriguing for to watch the Jags hold Jaguars still. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we're not going to – listen, we've broken down the Jags game. We know what the Jags are. But they are playing a football game, and they want to win, and they're two touchdown underdogs. Mm. Can you seriously make a case for how they would? It's the NFL, people. I mean, this this isn't, you know, McNeese State against Alabama. You <laughs> this, know? this isn't Murray State taking on Louisville <laughs> yeah. from 2011. Yeah, so uh, uh, yeah. could they do it? Like, what, what do you want to see anyway out of this game? But how, what, is there a roadmap to, to pulling off a stunner? at Lambeau Field and being quite the memorable win for those guys on that roster and in that locker room if they could go up to Green Bay and get a W, even though it would only be win number two of the season. We'll talk about that when we come back. It's Masters Talk. Otis Anderson, Super Bowl champ Otis Anderson, will join us in the 4 o'clock hour. We'll have our picks. We've got a lot to get to. We're having fun on a Friday here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. It's, it's, there's three islands, and it can be very nice and lucrative, by the way. You could be a huge winner, but you could be a huge loser, too. You might not have a boat to get home. Austin Lane. Well, I like that now. I love that analogy. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. You know, I, I, you know, obviously, you know, a lot of us have been through this at, at some point in our careers, and I've seen it where it separates a team, and, you know, there's injuries, there's guys that don't, you know, don't practice, there's coaches that walk around with their head down, there's, there's, there's a lot of that. You know, that has occurred when, when things like this go on, but I, I haven't seen that, you know, and I still feel the same way. I mean, I, and I told you guys that I really, you know, I love this team. I, I, I really do. I mean, I've got, I've got zero issues. You know, these guys are going about their business and working hard and, um, you know, that's not, not usually the case, especially, you know, now. That is Doug Marone. And I'm going to jump off script right here because we really don't have a script here on this show. Never. But when I hear that sound bite, you know what just comes to mind as I tease what's next and, and our discussion point of what's next? I say this. Is this team getting used to losing? Ooh, Brent. And, and, and by the way, and I say that, and I, and I say it with without even knowing it, mm. right? Because here's the deal. Uh, Brent Morton, Austin Lane, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. I'm, you got to separate what I'm saying here. you got to really take it into account what I'm saying. I'm not saying they've been trying to lose, their effort's bad, they want to lose, they don't care if they win or lose. That's not it. I think right now what the Jaguars are doing, at least on the outside world, because we've talked about this at length, is almost viewed as acceptable. It's like, hey, they've lost seven in a row. They're not very good. Yes, we'd like to see some young talent do well, but if they lose and they end up with a, a franchise QB, the big picture of this, the, the Jag fan is starting to see and say, you know what, that's not bad. I wonder if that happens internally sometimes, because what, like, I, if I'm Shad Khan, I'm thinking that way. Like, I'm like, okay, big picture of this, this could, it, it, this could work out okay down the road. This could flip it. Uh, now that you're in the situation where you've lost seven in a row. I'm not saying he tried to do it at the beginning or he was applauding that they were doing it at the beginning. I'm just saying once it 
turned for the worse, and now they've lost seven in a row. It's like, okay, I can see why people on the outside are saying, if we get that first guy or second guy in the draft, this could be a game changer. So I don't know if the front office, the scouts are doing that. Uh, I don't know. I don't think Dave Caldwell and Doug Marone are doing that because I think they know their job's on the line if they don't start winning football games. I think guys in the locker room know, hey, your jobs are on the line every time you go out there. There's tape. There's the eye in the sky. It's important. You could be cut. You might not have another job. This could be worth a lot of money to you. All that stuff. But when I hear Doug Marone say, hey, we're still, you know, on task. We're still all together in this thing. There's no infighting. There's no this. There's no that. It's almost like it, it, it sounds like, okay, they kind of get what's happening in Jacksonville. And to me, I just wonder if they're getting used to it, Austin, um, because they have the excuse of being the youngest football team. Uh, they have an excuse of starting a six-round draft pick rookie quarterback right now uh, for the second straight week. They have the excuse of going to Green Bay this week and, and playing a team that is a lot better than them, and they're not expected to win. I just wonder if that's crept in even to the back of their mind or their subconscious right now as a football team. So when you say that they're getting used to losing, though, I mean, are you referring solely on Doug Marone? Are you referring to the players in that locker room as well? Like, I get what you're saying where, you know, players are players and coaches got a coach to stay in the league and, you know, Shad Khan's doing his own thing. But like, I guess what are you saying in terms of who are you talking about right now? I'm saying it's about the players because here's the deal. If I'm in that room, okay, if I'm on a baseball team in college, and, and and our team is not doing well. Yeah. I'm pissed. And I'm throwing stuff against the wall. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? How are we going to fix this? And and you know, get your acting gear. Go go work a little harder in the in the in uh, BP. You know, in the cage. Uh, do a little something extra. Whatever it might be. I, when I hear Doug Marone say, hey, everything, everybody's still in this thing together and blah, blah, blah. It's like it, it makes it seem like, and I'm not saying there hasn't been that, but it makes it seem like everybody, listen, there's no fights in there. Nobody's raising their voice in there. You don't have Jalen Ramsey anymore. You don't have Leonard Fournette to pout anymore. You don't have Yannick Ngakwe to go up and down and get in a fight with somebody because they don't like how they're playing anymore. Mm-hmm. So I just don't know. I, I wonder if they've almost accepted who they are. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think from the player's perspective, listen, I spent three years here in Jacksonville. The first year, we were close to going to the playoffs. Second year, obviously, was a nightmare. And the third year, um, it didn't go that well either. And, you know, the third year, the last loss of the season felt just as bad as the first one when expectations were higher. Um, now, I think when you keep on losing game after game after game from the player's perspective, I don't want to say that you ever get used to losing. Because if that's the case, then why are you even playing the game in the first place? Yeah. Like, winning and losing is ingrained since you're in Pop Warner. Like, that's yeah. that's the most important part. Like, if you want to have fun, you win football games. Like, so that, that's been ingrained um, even in the youth. So I don't think the players feel like that. But I do think that when you lose game after game after game, you almost expect something to go bad. Right, so I don't think you get used to losing. I think those players in that locker room, every time the game's over and they walk back as losers, that affects them. But I think that they're to the point now when they enter the field. Like, for instance, when they go to Lambeau on Sunday and they're getting warmed up and they see Aaron Rodgers, they see Aaron Jones, they see Devontae Adams, I think a thought could go through their head where it's like, man, how are we going to pull this one out? Yeah. So 
that's from the player's perspective. I think from the coach's perspective, with Doug Marone especially, you know, because we're kind of using his soundbite right now. Listen, Doug was very adamant about saying that he wanted to get his guys, the guys that wanted to buy in and the guys that reminded him of that Saints team back when he coached there that had a lot of success. Well, now we're to the point where they've won one game. Obviously, the season's gone down in the tank. And I think Doug Marone, just in in the phase of saving face for himself, he's got to say things like this. Because I don't think if, if you're head coach, you want to admit, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't have let go of Clayus Campbell. You know what? Maybe we shouldn't let go of AJ Boy. You know what? Maybe we shouldn't have let go of Ronnie Harrison. Maybe we should have kept those guys. Like, that's the last thing that you want to say as a coach. So I think that when the season isn't going that well or horrible, let's just say, and expectations aren't being reached, well, you gather the next best, best thing and say, you know what? Even though we're not winning a lot of games, these guys in the locker room, they're good guys. Yeah, and they, they still love each other. They're playing yeah. for each other, that yeah. kind of thing. And listen, I, I want to be full. I, I want to be truthful here and say, one, I don't know if we don't know all of this because we're not in the locker room, right? Yeah. There is so much that you gain from being in the locker room from a feel. It feels sometimes when they're when they're in a losing streak like this. Trust me, we've been around it. It feels like when you go in that locker room, it's like a morgue. All right? Yeah. Then there's other times when you go in that locker room and they're losing and you're like, have they literally lost seven in a row? I mean, this team's still kind of trying to fight their way out of it. They're, they're, trying to, they're laughing a little bit. They're smiling. They're still having fun playing ball. Um, and you can justify that. You can look at that two different ways. Like, do they care? No, it's more like, are they still loose having fun working towards something instead of bickering with each other? Uh, and then the other side of it is, you know, Doug Marone and Dave Caldwell, I think, both said this year, we don't want drama. You know, we don't want the drama. You know, the Jets, when they're losing games earlier this year, they got Jamal Adams, who who wants out. They got Le'Veon Bell saying, if you don't want to be with us, whatever. Um, then they've got Le'Veon Bell saying, I want out. <laughs> you know, yeah. the Jags don't have guys asking off the ship right now. And I don't really know if anybody's got the leverage to ask off the ship, but they don't have anybody asking off the ship. And so if they were, and if there was infighting, and if there are things we we're hearing about and sideline eruptions, well, then... Truth be told, we'd be making that the big story. Sure. So I, I, I'm trying to see it from both sides. It just caught my attention, and I think it's a, oh, it's a dangerous place to be in as a franchise, as a football team, as a locker room. When you're like, listen, because I, I think this, you know, if you're good or not. Mm-hmm. They played well last week and lost. They're not good, and so I know, I believe the players know they're not very good, but that still can't be acceptable. Right. If you're going to turn it, if you're going to change it, if you're going, you have to have guys in there that say, listen, we got to fight out of this. We're doing some good things, but this is not acceptable. Like you have to have people in there that say this is not acceptable. And I don't know who that would be right now in that locker room. Yeah, it would be hard. You know, I mean, that's where you got to depend on your leadership. You know, guys like Miles Jack, um, even guys like Josh Allen, Joe Schober. But even like for like for, for Josh Allen and Joe Schober, it's hard. Right, because they're still fairly new to this team. And listen, I don't disagree with with your line of questioning here and asking, you know, is this team comfortable losing now? And like, obviously, I spoke my piece, but let's be honest: the past decade, they've had what one year where it was a winning record. So, I mean, how could you not ask those type of questions? Like, how how, how could fans not think right now? Like, listen, you guys have not won a lot the past decade. Are you comfortable? Are you complacent? Are you stagnant? Um, that is a legitimate question. 
All I know is when I played um, that kind of verbiage in the locker room, it wouldn't fly. But on the outside looking in, it still warrants the question because not a lot of NFL teams this past decade, Brent, have gone through what the Jacksonville Jaguars have gone through. So it's kind of hard to put it in a category uh, or compare it to somebody else just because teams are, you know, they're up, they're down. The Jaguars obviously have been a lot more down than up. Yeah, and, you know, I think it's easy. This is what I like to say about it. They're not trying to lose. They're not okay with losing. I wonder as an organization, I think this is the fair question, have they tried enough to win? That's a good right? point, yeah. Have they tried, are they trying enough to win this season? Did they make a move at the deadline? No. Yeah. Are they bringing kickers in that have kicked before? Eh, sometimes, but not all the time. <laughs> yeah. You know, Are they doing those things enough to win and create a winning culture? And right now, I just don't know if the answer to that is yes. And I think subconsciously that works in that locker room in a bad way. It's yeah. a subconscious thing. It's not a conscious thing. It's just a feel thing. And what? you have to ask it. Sooner, I do want my head coach yelling at the officials and chasing them down last week when they make a bad call. Mm-hmm. I do want some of my team leaders getting in somebody's face because they didn't do things right and they've been told five times to do it this way and they still aren't doing it that way. Yeah. You know, no, and, and I absolutely agree. I mean, like, at some point, someone's got to come forward and say, guys, I don't care what we have in this roster. This is unacceptable. You know, and it, it's hard, though, Brent. See, it's hard to come around to your perspective, to my perspective, and to the fans' perspective if you're in that locker room right now, because a lot of those guys, they haven't gone through the past decade, right? I mean, a lot of this is the youngest team in the NFL. And, oh, yeah, and, they've and, got seven wins in their, on their resume. Yeah. I mean, seven losses on their resume. That's it. Exactly, and that's it. So it's hard for them to, to comprehend, to understand it. But at the same time, we always talk about teams like the Steelers, you know, teams like the Packers, teams like the Seahawks, where there's an expectation to win. Like, if you're a rookie on the Steelers, rookie on the Seahawks, guess what? We got drafted. I'm sure the expectation was you got to come in there and win games. Why? Because the past says so. Because they use the past as motivation. There's an expectation here. Why can't it be the same if you're losing all the time? Like, why if you're a rookie or why if you're a second-year guy right now on this team and you want to have the excuse where it's like, whoa, I wasn't here five or six years ago. Why should I care? Well, guess what? That still follows you. Like, that's that's part of the brand that you work for right now. So you should care. You should take pride in trying to change it and being at the forefront of changing it. So I've never liked the excuse where it's like, well, I just got here. I don't know what's going on. Heck no. Because when you're winning, that's the excuse. So you can't have it both ways. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, let's do this real quick. We don't need a, 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 10 minutes on this. Is there a roadmap for them to win? Yeah. I mean, outside of four turnovers and two pick sixes and all these things. I mean, I would assume you have to win the turnover battle against the Packers. You, you've got to yeah. win. And, and I said, I think you've got to win it by two. You, you've mm-hmm. got to be plus two and do something with those turnovers. Yeah, so, you know... As I break down the, this Jaguars team and I, and I go over the, the Packers games and, you know, I've watched a, a bunch of them, seen a lot of highlights and things like that. I mean, I go back to a few weeks ago with the Minnesota Vikings, where obviously the Minnesota Vikings went into Lambeau and nobody expected them to win. Well, guess what? The Vikings won. Um, and it was all because of Dalvin Cook. Now, with all due respect to James Robinson, he is not Dalvin Cook. Few are Dalvin Cook right now in this league. But I think that if you're able to control the clock, and able to establish the run, which is you know one of the most cliche sayings in the NFL, but it's true in this game especially. I think if you get a good dose of James Robinson, that's going to be a start. Now, it's not going to put you over the top, but that's going to be a start. 
The next thing that I kind of talk about this the entire week here a little bit is when we're talking about Green Bay's defense, they are vulnerable, right? I mean, they, they can get beat um, in, a, in, a, in a slew of ways, if you will. But the one thing where they really shine is taking the one receiver away. Um, I don't have like really the stats in front of me, but if you go back and look at like one receivers playing on the Packers, uh, playing against the Packers, they've had a lot of success, and a lot of that success comes from Jair Alexander, who's playing at a very high level right now. Well, he's going to be on DJ Chark, hands down. I mean, if I'm a defensive coordinator, I stop DJ Chark and I say, "What else you guys got for me? Going to be with Chris Conley? Going to be with Eifert? Whoever's the, the tight end going to be? We'll see about that." But I'm stopping DJ Chark. So this is where I think Gruden's got to step up the, the the IQ a little bit. And he talked about it in training camp, and he's got to put, um, you know, he's got to put Chark wherever he can put him. If it's in the slot where Alexander won't follow him, put him in the slot. If it's in motion, put him in motion. But to me, the game plan has to be to run the ball and then get DJ Chark the ball as much as possible and give him advantageous matchups against a you know a baller like Jair Alexander. Yeah, let's not overthink this. This goes all the way back really to what they did against the Colts. The Colts are a yeah. good team. The Colts are a team that's as good as the Packers maybe. And what did they do against the Colts? I'm not saying the Colts were playing like that in, in week one. Well, they were, I believe, plus two in the turnovers. Uh, and they cashed him in, and they also shortened the game. They Remember, the Jags ran like 49 plays in that game. Mm-hmm. So the Jags need to shorten the game. They need to have sustained drives. It's okay if they don't score 28 points, maybe. <laughs> but yeah. they need to be efficient with their possessions, and that means James Robinson. The other part of this I like, uh, and what you just said, because of Alexander and Chark, and I love the other side. Yeah. I mean, hello, C.J. Henderson. If you want to start your second half of your rookie season in a good way, let's see you work against Devontae Adams, <laughs> who right now might be the best in the game. Yeah. And so it's a tall task. I'm not saying you have to shut him down. But this could be a big moment for C.J. Henderson. And so the number one receivers in this game are there's there's some eye, eyes on those guys, let's just say. Mm-hmm. They both were 17, don't they? Uh, Adam 17? Yeah, yep, Adam 17, yeah. So watch number 17 yeah. and watch the guys defending him. Because once you get past number 17 on the guys on the outside, there's a drop-off for the Jags. And there's a big drop-off, by the way, for the Green Bay Packers, too. Well, without a doubt. You know, and I wonder, do you... Double team Adams going forward. Like, I mean, we'll see They'll how they shade him. Yeah, I mean, have to shade you gotta shade him. Um, you know, Valdez scaling right now. I think he's the two guy. I mean, they have a bunch of two guys, but yeah. you know, with all due respect to him, he does not scare me at all. But another big question too is Aaron Jones in the pass game. You know, Aaron Jones gonna get his rushing yards against this Jaguars defensive line. But the real question comes in: Can the linebacking core step up? And, you know, man him up and not let him get loose in the pass game. Because if that's the case, well, then Aaron Rodgers is going to have a field day against this Jaguars defense. Yeah, we'll do our picks a little bit later. And, by the way, this isn't like, hey, you got to pick the Jags to win. Um, No, we're all not going to pick the Jags to win. But the line is 13-and-a-half. Now, that makes it a little bit interesting, doesn't yeah. it? And we'll have our picks in a bit. Give you a Masters update on the way. Otis Anderson joins us at 4 o'clock. So much to get to still on a Friday. Hope you're doing well. Enjoying the week. Heading into the weekend. A beautiful day in Northeast Florida. We'll be back on ESPN 690. The growing took place uh, right before then. I think the growing in my life really started before last year, after my rookie year, just not being happy with what I saw out of myself uh, on the field, off the field, just things that needed changing. Uh, I credit my now wife for helping me throughout all that, that process, you know. With that growth, it just... For me, it was basically just being a man, 
making the right decisions uh, and standing on my word. Whatever I say, whatever I do, you know, whatever consequences or cause and effect, whatever you may say, I have to live with that. I have to um, go every day with that. So I'd rather put my best foot forward. So whatever, you know, trickles down from that, it'd be more manageable. That is DJ Chark uh, going a little deep there and, and talking more than just football. But now married uh, on the bye week, has uh, a daughter on the way, and life changes, man, right? Life comes well, at sure. you fast. Well, did, didn't he already have his daughter? I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, because no. I... Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Yeah, because uh, he, he was rocking those new cleats. He had, like, the Baby Shark uh, cartoon video thing on his cleats I saw him post. Yeah, it was... I, I think you're right. Now I'm now I'm all messed up. I remember I thought seeing like the um, the uh, what are those things called when you get the picture um, uh, when you're having a kid? Photos? Yeah, that's not what it's called. Oh, but. like the uh, the gram something, right? It's something yeah. that ends, ends on a gram. Not Instagram. It's not it Instagram. Ends in no. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're doing this right now. Oh yeah, man. I mean, I mean, hey, it's, doing it's, been, it's been five years. I can't remember back that long. I know. Well, well, hey, it's been do. fifteen for well, me. There you right? go. <laughs> well, you had two of them though. I know. Yeah. But it was like the greatest part, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Just when you get into the picture, hey, well, you know. So. Uh, hey, I, I gotta try to find this. It's gonna yeah, drive me crazy. Find out. Double check now because now I'm confused. I can't remember if he's having or has. No, I'm pretty sure he's okay. Go on. Either way, life changes, and and DJ Chark is a young young man anyway, young player. um, Talking about you know just things, putting it in perspective, and and how things at home have helped him, um, you know, settle down. Real quick, I I want ultrasound. By the way, I was way off. Ultrasound images. Ultrasound. Yeah. There you go. Uh, (laughs) Real quick though, did you see what the Marlins Marlins hired a a female general manager? King Kim Ang is her, her name, I believe. Yeah. And. First one in professional sports in North America, at any sport, but in Major League Baseball. That is pretty cool what the Marlins are doing. I think it's awesome. I've got a daughter, obviously, mm-hmm. and, and she loves sports. And I still, I've said that to myself before, said it to her. It's like, if you want to, by the time you get out of school, someday down the road in your professional career, want to get into sports, this is an opportunity for young girls and, and women. No, without a doubt. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a monumental day for for you know everyone alike i mean it's um it's groundbreaking it's history and it's awesome it's, it's very cool to see it's probably been a long time coming and like if you read her what she's like you know how she's worked up her way and everything like that in her resume oh, um, unbelievable. yeah i mean it's pretty impressive so regardless of you know if she's male or female i think if you're a marlins fan right now you gotta like what you got a GM, regardless. Well, and the reaction around the league is really cool. Like, oh, we don't know her very well. We don't yeah. know her resume very well, but it's well received in Major League Baseball. She has earned every bit of this this opportunity, and I, I'm rooting for her. I'm, I'm probably a bigger Marlins fan right now than I've ever been um, because it, it she's changing the game, and uh, it's it's a really cool thing. Uh, Derek Jeter, in part, obviously helped uh, make. Yeah. That happened, and uh, it's a great story. I can tell my daughter. I think so many other people can tell uh, their kids as well. Uh, it's neat in the sports world uh, now for, for women. Broadcasting, working in sports, working in high levels in sports. It's a, it's a good time to be alive in, in, in that sense. So uh, when we come back, a guy that's done it at the highest of levels wins a couple of Super Bowls. We talk to him next on Action Sports Checks on ESPN 690. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. 
Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.